talking about for a while. Can we give a round of applause to these guys leading us in the worship today? Hallelujah. I'm so excited to be here. Have I told you lately that I love you? Have I? You must not have seen it. Thank you. You must not have seen me in a while then. <laughs> if you hadn't heard that. Man, I, you know, I'm just thankful. You know, this month is Thanksgiving, as Pastor was saying before, and I am thankful for so many things. How many people are thankful? We have got our theme for this month is give thanks. Simple as that. It's right on the front of your bulletin. Anybody see it? Give thanks. And the verse that's on there is 1 Thessalonians 5.18, and it basically says, give thanks in all circumstances. Doesn't matter what it is. If it's good, if it's bad, if it's indifferent, give thanks in all things. And I'm thankful today for a couple of things. I'm thankful that you are here in the house of God today. How about that? Are you thankful to be here? Aren't you thankful that on this Veterans Day, that because of veterans, that we have the ability to gather today in freedom and worship together? That's the country we live in. Yes, that is worth applauding. Exciting. I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful for the weather. <laughs> How many people like this weather out here? Okay. I was like, last week, I was like, wait a minute. Is it summertime? I thought it was back to summer, man. It was getting a little hot. But this weather, I love it. I love Northeast Florida for that reason. I think we got, and I mean this seriously, I think Northeast Florida has the best weather. I mean, when you compare it from, you know, 12 months a year. The best weather in the country. Because you get summers, you get, but you get times like this. You got the trees and just a wonderful thing. It is a blessing to live in Northeast Florida. How many people believe that? For those of you that don't, I'm sorry, but you're welcome to join us. <laughs> I'm sure most of you do. So anyway, I'm thankful for you being here, and especially our guest, anyone that's visiting with us today. We're, we honor you and thank you for being here. And I hope you feel welcome and appreciated because you indeed are. Uh, you know, we've got our flags up here today and, and, and many other things. As you can see, some of these pictures that are on the uh, altar here, these are pictures of people in our fellowship and uh, times when they were in the service, and they uh, gave us pictures of them in uniform, and that's just a part of our way to, to honor our veterans today. Uh, you see two flags here. They're here every Sunday, but we put them in a little different place today. This is the Christian flag, and this, of course, is the American flag. And in many churches like ours, these are on display um, on a regular basis uh, as they are here. These two flags represent two different types of freedom. The American flag gives us the freedom that allows us to go where we want to go, say what we want to say within certain limits and reason. But we can go where we want to go. We can say what we want to say. We can live where we want to live. Guess what? We can vote how we want to vote. We can, we can do things. We can worship as we choose to worship. There is a, a, a lot of wonderful things about that. We can uh, have big dreams and have the ability in this country to pursue those dreams. And that's what's encapsulated. When I, when I see that flag, I think about those things and many others. And to think about this, this, this uh, little passage that I found when I was preparing for this. And, and I tell you, this really is powerful to me. Maybe some of you have heard it before. I don't know. But it says this. It is the, and this is to honor you veterans here today. 
for active military. It is the veteran, the veteran, not the reporter, who has given us freedom of the press. It's the veteran, not the poet, who has given us freedom of speech. It's the veteran, not the campus organizer or a community organizer, that has given us the freedom of assembly. It's the veteran, not the politicians, that have given us the right to vote. It's the veterans, not the preachers, who have given us the freedom of religion. And remember that as we think of our veterans today. And I think that's just so so powerful to think about that. Those are the reasons, they are the reason that we have the freedoms that we have in this country. And this leads me to then the other type of freedom that we find in the Christian flag. It's a greater freedom even than what we experience here as Americans because the freedoms we have as Christians are the freedom that Jesus gives us. It's a greater freedom that we can only find in Jesus. For those of you that know him, you understand what I'm talking about. That is a freedom that frees us from a life of meaninglessness or futility. It's a freedom that frees us from the bondage of things like sin, regret, guilt, shame, unforgiveness. It's a freedom that we're given to love God and to love others. That's a freedom that we have, and that's encapsulated in in this flag. And I will tell you, to serve either of these flags faithfully and effectively, there are certain requirements. And that's what I want to talk to you about today. About We talked about veterans, and those are military veterans, and, and they are to be honored today, and we do that. That's why we made it such an important part of our day. But... There's a, there's a different type of veteran that I want to talk to you about today, about being a spiritual veteran. How do I measure up? And I say that because I'm asking myself, but how do I measure up? Maybe you could ask yourself that question. How do I measure up? How do you measure up as a spiritual veteran? The Apostle Paul knew something about this. He, uh, he enlisted after encountering Jesus on the road to Damascus. And as a result of that, he suffered innumerable pain and difficulty and challenges in his life and danger that he had to deal with throughout his entire life from that moment forward, that road to Damascus moment. But yet, through all of that, he endured, and we're going to talk about that in a minute, but Paul, if there ever was one, the Apostle Paul, was a veteran Christian. Would you agree with that? He was a Christian that had veteran qualities. And towards the end of his life, when he was in a cold, dark prison, awaiting execution for, uh, for doing nothing other than being an absolute believer in Jesus Christ, the missionary, the evangelist, all that he was, it was only for that reason he was awaiting execution. And he was writing a letter to a young leader named Timothy. And Timothy was written this letter by Paul, and part of it said this. It said, you therefore must endure hardship. This is what he's telling Timothy now. You therefore must endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No one engaged in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this 
life. That he may please him who enlisted him as a soldier. Now these two short verses Paul uses four words I want to talk about today. They're four what I would call the E words and we'll get into those. The first one is this. Enlist. Enlist. I mean, you know what enlist is. If you've been in the military, you know what it means, right? To enlist. you got to sign up. The first thing you have to do if you want to walk this life and, and live for God and to grow spiritually, and this whole thing I'm talking about today, it's tied to a Veterans Day thing. Everything I'm talking to you about today is about spiritual growth. Would you say that with me? Spiritual growth is what we're talking about today. But you got to sign up. First thing you got to do is you got to enlist. You can't become a part of it. Now, in the military today, it didn't used to be that way, but today, military service is all volunteer. We have a volunteer uh, a, a military, and I think that's wonderful. But they still have recruiters. They have people out there in different places that talk about the, the, uh, the, the, the things that you could do and the benefits that you might receive by enlisting in the military, but it's still a choice. It's a choice that each person has. There's no requirement that makes them join. And sometimes people have those, they make those choices for various reasons. It might be because they would uh, find an ability to help them with college tuition. Uh, It could be family traditions. Uh, It could be just simply patriotism. Or it could be all of those things that would be the reason that you enlist. And maybe there would be others. But uh, whatever the reason, no matter what those reasons are, to enlist in the military, it is a tough life-changing decision. When you do that, it changes your life. Because when you enlist in the military at whatever point that then you are sent on your way to wherever your assignment would be, you're leaving everything else behind. You're leaving other things behind when that happens, when you do that. So it's a it's a tough decision and it's a life-changing decision. Now God also does not force any of us to serve Him. Did you know that? You have free will to choose what you want to do. And you have to make the right choices. We do. We have to make those choices. It is completely voluntary. But he does send out recruitment people. I might be one of those. Pastor Bill might be one of those. But each and every one of you are one of those. Each and every one of you are a recruitment officer, if you will, to use a term, for sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. The good news. That is something that we should do. But still, it's a choice. It's a choice that we make. And again, people make those decisions for a lot of different reasons. Some people may have decided to follow the Lord because they were raised that way. And their parents instilled in them the the knowledge of the Lord. I think that's a good thing. Some people may have been feeling like they're being called to follow uh, the Lord because of some reason a tug on their heart or or something of the Holy Spirit working in their life that is drawing them to Him. It could be that it just might be that a person has experienced life, they've done things, they've, they've even accomplished things, and they just want to know, what else is there? Why am I here? Have you ever wondered that? Why you're here? Why are you here? Do you know the answer to that question? What is my purpose? Why am I here? Those are the other reasons, and maybe, again, it's a combination of all of those things, why people come to decide and make a voluntary decision to follow the Lord. So any way, no matter which one of those it may be, following Jesus, making that decision, that voluntary decision that each of us has to make, 
there's a moment in time where we do, but we decide to do it every day. But no matter what the reasons are that you've decided to follow the Lord, if you were in this building and you have, and if you haven't, I hope today you listen to me very carefully, because this decision is not one to be taken lightly. It's not. It's not one to be taken lightly. And not only that, it's a life-changing decision as well. Just like we, we were talking about when you look in, in, to enlist in the military. And uh, Luke, who is amazing to I me, mean, he's a great example of this. You know, Luke was a physician. Talk about an accomplished guy. He was an educated person, a physician, a, you know, an accomplished person. He left all that behind so he could chronicle and and and. He was a believer, and, and by doing that, and when he made his decision, he, he left all of the other things behind. And when he did that, one of the things he wrote were, were the words of Jesus, and, and, and this is one of the things that he wrote in Luke chapter 14. It says, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, and even his own wife, he cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. Does that make you guys a little uncomfortable when you hear that? Hate? you got to hate. Does anybody understand? Have you ever thought about that? If you haven't really thought about it much, you maybe haven't read it before. Because it makes me think about it every time from the time I was a little child when I heard it or a young person to now. Every time I think about it. And when, in the context of this, of course, it's not a vitriolic, mean-spirited hate, of course, that Jesus is talking about. He's talking about, the Amplified Version puts this very well. It says that, that hate, meaning the sense of indifference to or relative disregard for all those people they're talking about, husbands, wives, children, brothers, sisters, relative disregard for them in comparison with your attitude toward God. That's what Jesus is saying here. So what he's saying is this, that following him is a life-altering commitment, and it requires your full devotion. I'm going to say that again. It's a life-altering event. That's good. But it's a challenge because it requires your full devotion. How many people are willing to do that? You don't have to raise your hand or answer. Ask yourself. Am I willing to do that? Am I willing to give him my full devotion? And I'm going to tell you, I know people, and there are probably people I don't know in this room, and I know people all around the country, or even maybe in some places around the world, people that I've I've known over the course of my life that would tell you this, and I know many of you in here because you've said it to me, that yes, it was a sacrifice, that yes, it was some, that, that there are some things that I've had to go through, or it's a tough decision that I made, and I had to take a stand, but it was the best decision I've ever made in my life. And I say that to you today, having made a lot of bad decisions in my life, and have made bad choices at times, but I will tell you the one single thing that is the best decision that I have ever made is when I surrendered my life to Jesus, and I told him, take over, do what you want to do with me, and I'll do what you ask of me. That's the best decision I've ever made. And I won't make any others that are going to be any better than that one. But it requires your full devotion. So you got to enlist. you got to sign up for this thing. The next thing you got to do, and many of us have experienced this too, is 
is you have to endure. You have to endure. American soldiers in, in any branch of the military, and I know you guys can attest to this, you have to endure some physical challenges to do that. You have to go through basic training, and I mean, it puts a physical toll on your body. It also is something that you have to do things that are non-physically, um, or non, what I would say, non-physical hardships that you have to deal with by uh, being in the, in the discipline of the military. Uh, I think I've always thought this. I've ne- I did not serve in the military. But I will tell you one of the things I've always thought that was the most amazing thing and one of the biggest sacrifices that people in the service, uh, armed services have to do is they have to leave their families for extended periods of time. That's not easy. So there are other hardships, not just physical hardships. There's other hardships that you have to go through to be in that life. You have to endure that. So being away from your family is another thing, uh, but, uh, one thing, but another thing is the rigidity, and well, I don't know if I would like this for sure, man, the rigidity of military life. Now, there's a lot of good things to that, but there's some challenging things too. You have to do what they say. There's an order of things. You have to follow orders. And sometimes, now again, I didn't serve in the military, but I'm going to just see from what I've talked to other people about. Sometimes there's people that rank an officer above you that you don't want to listen to. <laughs> but you have to, because that's just the way it's set up, and that's the rigidity. I read this story when I was looking at this. It was about a, an Air Force major, and he had just got promoted to colonel. And when he did, he was feeling pretty good about himself. I think he was feeling even a little maybe full of himself. He got his own office. He had a staff and everything. And a guy, uh, it was an airman, just a rank uh, uh, airman, uh, had come and knocked on his door. And he had just gotten in his office, so he picked up the phone. He said, come in. And he acted like he was talking on the phone. And he said, yes, sir, General. I'll take care of that right away. And I'll make sure that the president knows what we've talked about here today put the phone down, and he looked at the airman and he says, now what do you want? And the airman says, well, sir, I'm just coming in here to hook your telephone up. <laughs> I don't, I mean, again, I respect everybody, but I'm sure like there is in every facet of life, there's some people that just, you know, come on, they, they, they have a position above you, but they might take a little bit of advantage in that. But some of that is some of the things you have to endure as a veteran. And Paul told Timothy that. He said, you, look, I'm just letting you know, you're going to have to endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. And I will tell you this. Thank God that we live in a country. We've celebrated our country here today. Thank God we live in a country that doesn't have the same kind of hardships that other countries do just simply by being a Christian, by declaring that you are a believer in Jesus Christ in many places. Read the newspaper. In the last 30 days, you will be killed. In churches and countries all around the world, they're being driven underground. There is persecution against not just the church. I'm talking about Christians, but... And I'm not saying there aren't attacks on Christianity here in America, don't get me wrong, but not like that. Not the kind of hardships they have to endure. And then you talk about Paul, man. I mean, we were speaking of him earlier. Think about what he went through on his missionary journeys. This guy was flogged, beaten to where his skin probably couldn't even be recognized so many times. He was stoned. (laughs) He He was in shipwrecks, thrown in prison, 
I mean, talk about enduring hardships. How many of those things have any of you been through? He's been through all of them. And what he's telling Timothy is, you have to endure. Now, again, I've been here to say, we don't have to endure the same things that have to be endured in other parts of the world at this time, and certainly not in the first century church. Because they were being, I mean, absolutely persecuted. And Paul, ultimately, as, as, as all of the apostles, as you know, found himself uh, being executed. That was, that was the end result of it all, because he was a Christian. But, you know, even in America, you know, we're, we've got freedom and all that, but there are still things that happen that we don't understand. What happened this last week again? Another shooting. I, does anybody understand? Can anybody explain it to me? If so, raise your hand really quick. Because there is, I, there's just not an explanation. I don't understand. And I will tell you this. Maybe it doesn't with you. But And I'm not saying that I'm, I'm weak in my faith. But when I see things like that and those and many other things, it tests my faith. Does that make sense? It tests my faith. And I have to really go to my faith to understand and to try to make sense of these things. Our faith will be tested. James reminded us. I love James. James, the brother of Jesus, right? Think about this now. If you were the brother of Jesus, how many people have brothers? Okay. <laughs> I know I'm a brother. I don't have a brother, but I'm a brother. I'm sure my sisters would say the same thing about me. <laughs> if I walked around telling my my sisters, or rather, let's just say my siblings, that I was the son of God, they think I've lost my mind. <laughs> and as you know, James didn't believe it for a long, long time. James was just an interesting guy, as I would say. Now, finally, he became not only a believer, but a true, just amazing uh, advocate for the cause of Christ. But I, just, I always thought, James, man, you, he, this guy is like, here's my brother telling me he's the son of God. I see you nailing carpentry. You're making benches. You're doing the same thing I'm doing. You're not that. Anyway, James wrote some amazing things in, in, a, in a book that you can read in just a few minutes, and you ought to read it on a regular basis. And he said this, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. Troubles of any kind, consider it an opportunity for great joy. And here's why. For you know that when your faith is, when your faith is, when it's tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. Now think about that. So I don't mind when my faith is tested. I don't mind. That mean I'm giving up on it. But boy, it gives me a chance for my faith to get stronger for me to learn to endure some things that I don't understand. And when I do, my faith grows. Having your faith tested, folks, is not a big deal. How you deal with it and how you take that test and how you process that test, that's what's important. And so as soldiers of Christ, we've got to endure. We have to keep the faith. When our faith is tested, we have to stay strong. And we have to praise God, I said this earlier, even when we're struggling. How many people are struggling with some things every once in a while? I know I am. Okay. Guess what? Give thanks. Now take a picture of that little thing right at the back as you walk out of this building. Give thanks. And every time you're struggling, just go to that. Give thanks. I'm going to give thanks. I'm going to praise God. I'm going to praise Him for who He is, even when I'm struggling. So we got to sign up. we got to enlist. we got to get in. We have to endure. And the next thing we have to do is this. We have to engage. 
I've never experienced combat, but I have great respect for those who have. And I will tell you the good thing is, other than I guess Afghanistan, we are at war there, and so there is a, a war conflict there. But mostly we're in a peacetime. We're certainly not like it was in World War II or those kind of things. I mean, we're not in the, like the Vietnam conflict, but uh, I, mean, I don't mean to minimize what's going on in Afghanistan at all. But what I'm saying is, even in peace times, when we're in peaceful times, our military has to be prepared to engage the enemy. I'm sure a lot of you who've been in the military know this from the training exercises and combat practice and other things that they do. They have to stay sharp, vigilant, uh, prepared at any moment because they don't know what's going to happen or when it's going to happen. So we have to be ready at all times. I think that's something they talk about quite a bit is combat readiness. Well, how do you do that? You, you have to be prepared. And I think as believers, we've got to do the same thing. Paul talks about this. In uh, his letter to the Corinthians, Paul wrote this. We use God's mighty weapons, not worldly weapons. Now, this is the New Living Translation. To knock down strongholds of human reasoning and to destroy false arguments. But we're not doing it with our own power, is what Paul's saying, in our own weaponry. We're doing it with divine power, in another translation it says. To knock down the strongholds of human reasoning, destroy false arguments. We destroy every proud obstacle that keeps people from knowing God. We capture their rebellious thoughts and teach them to obey Christ. So in other words, as good soldiers in this army of God, we have to be prepared to engage in spiritual warfare. How many people have engaged in spiritual warfare this last week? If you haven't, you need to talk to us. Because you have to engage in that every single day. Every single day, if you're going to be successful, you have to engage. We have to battle temptation. We have to stand against, I'm going to say some things here, don't get mad at me. Maybe all this crowd probably won't. Some people would. We have to stand opposed to false religions. Sorry if I offend somebody. Sometimes the gospel's offensive. We have to stand. I'm not talking about, I'll say, well, yeah, I know. Well, yeah, that's a false religion. No. I'm saying we have to stand against it, church. We have to stand against false religions. We have to stand against worldviews. Listen to me. We have to stand against worldviews that are hostile to Christianity. Worldviews, not religion. Just and now, let me just say this, too. And again, I'm not trying to get in trouble here. But there are congressmen, there are senators, there have been presidents, I don't believe we have one now, who have a hostile worldview towards Christianity. Now, I'm not saying they're out there making a big deal about it, because if they did, if they knew if they did, they'd be in political problems. But take my word for it, they're hostile to it. They might even sympathize to other worldviews, but they certainly are hostile to Christianity. Have you seen it? Do you know what I'm speaking of? This is in our government today. I'm not trying to say what side is. I'm none of that. It's not political. It's a statement of fact. We have to stand against that. We cannot be afraid or timid to stand in the public square and speak out on what we know is right. And that involves a lot of things that I won't go through the list of, but you know what a lot of them are. 
We've got to stand up. If we want to be spiritual veterans, that's what we have to do. We have to do it in the public square. We have to do it in our personal relationships. We have to do it in the, in the workplace environment. We have to do it in our schools. We've got to do it, or who will? If we don't do it, who will? That's, that's the stuff. That, I believe, is what Paul's talking about. That's engaging. And God, I believe, is counting on us. And I say this, us, because this is the group I'm speaking to today. He is counting on us to take captives. And that means when you're looking at things uh, about what you're going to do, you've got to surrender your thoughts and what you think is important and what you want to do for your own personal uh, reasoning. And you have got to surrender that to what he wants, what he's asking us to do, where he's leading us. That's what we have to do to engage. That's where we need to be. We should never be afraid to engage our friends. If there are friends, it's going to be okay. Now, let me just say this one thing, though. We have to surrender our thoughts and our ways and what our desires are to his. That's true. But we also need to lead other people around us to do that as well. And I want to just say this. All of everything I'm talking about here, although I might be very animated in the way I'm saying it, it is useless to us if we don't do this with gentleness, with kindness, with civility, with all of the things that we know that God would want us to do and how we conduct ourselves. But you can do both. You can stand up for what is right, but do it with a heart of kindness, gentleness, and love. You can do that. But it's required of us, I believe, to do that. We've got to engage all of those around us, friends, family, coworkers, and also the culture. There's a culture out here that's changing every single day. If you don't believe it, just go look at what TV shows were on this week and then what TV shows were on 10 years ago. Then go look back and see what TV shows were on 20 years ago. And then music. Talk about I can talk about all types of things in our culture. Look at our politics. Good grief. <laughs> it's the culture is changing around us, and we have to engage it. And let me tell you this. This is the good news. We have to do it in the right way, as I said. But let me just say this. If you, if you really believe this, we've seen it. We've looked at the verse. We've recited it. But let me just ask, I mean, really, if God is for us, who can be against us? If God, do you believe that? See, I believe it from the bottom of my heart. If God is for me, there's no thing, no weapons going to be prospering against me. If he's on my side, I don't have to worry about standing up for what I know is right. Because he's on my side. And don't ever forget that. Don't ever let that just be a verse that you know. Be it a verse that you stand on. If he's for us, who can be against us? So we've got to do all that. We've got to we got to enlist. We've got to sign up for this thing. We've got to endure some things, and we've got to engage the enemy. We've got to, we've got to take ground, not defend ground. We don't need to be satisfied with where we are. We need to advance. Take ground, not defend ground, and certainly not lose ground. And then the last E word that Paul is using here, and Rob, you can go ahead and come if you would, please. 
And that is entangled. I really want to get this point across here. Entangled. Timothy, 2 Timothy, when he was writing this letter to Timothy, he said, don't get entangled in the affairs of civilian life. Don't get tied up, one translation says, in the affairs of civilian life. Because you cannot please the officer who enlisted you, if that's the case. I heard about this story that I was looking at, this, about a Navy recruit. He was a new recruit, and he had come in, and he had asked for a weekend pass so he could attend a wedding. And uh, he was given the opportunity to do that. They issued him the pass, but they said, you have to be back on Sunday at 7 p.m. And the... Uh, the <laughs> When he, when he said that, the, the recruit, uh, maybe ill-advisedly, said to his superior officer, you don't understand, sir. I'm in the wedding. And the officer stood up and he looked at him and he said, no, you don't understand. You're in the Navy. You're in the Navy. Here's the thing. You see, when you serve the American flag, you serve this flag, you're expected to do that completely committed and allow nothing to prevent you from performing your duties and serving faithfully. Am I right? Veterans, am I right? Nothing comes before that. And let me tell you something about this flag and what's, and what's behind it. If you want to serve that flag, and that's what you want to do, you are also expected to be completely committed to Christ, to his teachings, to what he wants to do in your life. And you are expected to serve him faithfully, not allowing anything else to come between you and accomplishing his will. Are you ready to do that? Are you to spiritual growth? Are you engaged in spiritual growth? Are you becoming, or are you already, and many of you are, don't get me wrong, a spiritual veteran? You can't allow anything to stop you from doing His will if that's the case. You're expected to serve this flag and, 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 the, and what's behind it, the person, the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, just as you are expected to serve this flag. And unfortunately, there's many of us, after coming to know the Lord, we get entangled in the things of the world. We get entangled in the things of the world. It may be the television programming we watch. It may be this music that we listen to. It may be the jokes that we participate in around the water cooler. It may be the jokes that we tell in some cases. Maybe the type of language and the words that we choose to use. It could be because some of us might look at men inappropriately. It might be that some of us look at women inappropriately. Hello? Hello? I can talk about that. I'm allowed to talk about that. You think it doesn't happen? Okay, you see, here's the deal. We're held to a higher standard. We're expected to be living that life following cause of Christ, following Jesus faithfully. And these things I'm talking about, and I could name others, 
Jesus talked about this. He, he told a story. Luke recorded it about a farmer who scattered seed everywhere he went. And Jesus said this. These were his words. The seeds that fell among the thorns represent those who hear the message, but all too quickly the message is crowded out by the cares and the riches and pleasures of this life. And so, say that with me, and so they never grow into maturity. Do you want to grow into that? Do you want all that God wants to do in your life? Do you want to see Him working in ways that you can't even imagine? That's the way to do it. You've got to realize that it's not just hearing this and coming to church on Sunday morning. There's more to this than that, folks. It's okay. You've got to enlist. You've got to get started. You've got to endure some things. You've got to engage. And you've got to stay from being entangled in all of this junk that surrounds us in this world. And if you're not careful... These things will distract you, and all of a sudden, when you get saved and you become a believer, and all of a sudden, Jesus is up here in your life. Boy, he's up here, man, and I'm excited. Thank God that he's doing what he's doing in my life. And then all of a sudden, you start getting entangled in this other stuff. It starts tying you up a little bit. Things start coming in. Other things begin more important. They crowd out the things of God. And then it starts going like this. Jesus starting to reduce. And what he did when you got saved is he was your Lord and Savior. You said, I accept you as my Lord and Savior. And then you start going a little bit more and a little bit more entangled in the things of the world. And then he becomes more your Savior than your Lord. Do you want him to be your Lord today? That's what I want. (laughs) I'm nowhere near where I need to be. But I tell you, I want him to be my Lord. I don't want him to just have saved me, and that's great, and it's marvelous. And boy, I could just sing and talk about it and be excited about it. But I want him to be my Lord. I want him to be Lord of my life. And I want to turn it all over to him. And I want to be a spiritual veteran someday where people look at me and say, Yes, that's his testimony. We sang a song today about that. My life is my testimony. That's what I want it to be. I hope that's what you want it to be. That through all of this, you can be that spiritual veteran, that growing Christian. And Paul said it again in another place in his letter to the Philippians. He said this. It is such a powerful verse to me. This New Living Translation so it's a little different, but it says, yes. Everything else is worthless. Everything is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus, not my Savior, knowing Him as my Lord. Everything else is worthless, Paul said. For His sake, I have discarded everything else counting it all as garbage so that I could gain Christ. If I die, if you guys are at my funeral, 
was my hope. That was my plan. And maybe I messed up along the way and I'm still trying to get there. But for his sake, because of what he did for me, that I am going to discard everything else and just count it as trash on the trash pile for what I gained in him and in eternity. And that's what I want people to say, that he did it so that I could gain Christ and put him in his rightful place as Lord of my life. There's two types of freedom to do different types of things embodied in these two flags. And today, again, we, we thank and honor our veterans that allow us to be here today talking about what we're talking about. But, you know, I would say this. Maybe there are some people that are entangled in things in their life, and it's not. It's okay. It's okay. <laughs> we're here to help. We're here to pray. We're here to come alongside. We're here to stand with you together. But if you're entangled in anything as you stand with me, please, I just want you to just ask yourself, if you would stand, please, as we close this service, if there is anything at all that you need prayer for in your life, I know it doesn't matter what it is, something that's entangling you. Now, by the way, entangling you, don't think that if you came here for prayer, that that means that people are going to be trying to think of what it is that's entangling you. Don't worry about it. I can almost tell you this. Everybody that I have ever met in this life, including the greatest preachers and pastors and people, everybody I've met is always getting close to being entangled with something. It might be something minor, it might be something major. And they have figured out one thing. The way to deal with it is to leave it at the altar of God. And so I encourage you today, if you have anything that you need prayer for as they sing, I'd like you to come up here and let us pray for you today. Whatever it might be.